we are going to review the end of Genesis chapter 30, and then we are going to go into Genesis chapter 31. Now, I would encourage you to go back and look at Genesis chapter 30, the end of it, 25 through 43 for yourself, because I'm not able to read it this morning just because it's going to be too long. Um, That's the only reason why I'm not doing it. Uh, But to give a little bit of a recap, Jacob, he asked to go back to his homeland. He said to Laban, I want to go back to my homeland. I think he was starting to see um, what things were turning out for him. And he's like, well, I can go back to my father's house. I can return. I'm owed the land and things of that nature there. Let's just see what I have. And I'm going to be better off at this point. I think he's starting to understand that Laban's starting to turn against him. And he definitely does in chapter 31. So Laban recognizes that his prosperity is linked to Jacob. And Jacob is able to set his wages with Laban again. Okay, And he goes ahead and sets the wages. Laban's like, well, it's worked out for me twice with Rachel. I might as well let him set it again um, for the flocks and things. And so he gives something that's fair. And Jacob says he'll take all the spotted and speckled sheep and goats. And um, they say that's great. The first thing that Laban goes and does is he removes all the male spotted and speckled lambs from the flock. And he sets Jacob up for failure. And he's like, well, bless your heart father-in-law. I'm sure that's what Jacob was feeling like. And um, he gives those speckled ones to his, his sons to tend, and he takes them away from Jacob. So he's got a purebred flock. However, um, we find out it's from a dream that Jacob comes up with this breeding program, and God honors that. And pretty soon, Jacob's crops are abundant. Well, we know if, if you've, this is Maybe you don't know, but in um, agriculture, I learned about crossbreeding. And when you crossbreed animals, they come out speckled and spotted. And that's exactly what Jacob's doing without realizing it. And he is getting a stronger flock because he is breeding two purebred flocks, most likely, together. And he's getting this uh, wonderful um, hybrid out of the deal. So that's kind of where we find ourselves at the end of 30 And Jacob will recap that in 31, so I didn't want to stick too long on it. But we're going to read the first 21 verses as it applies to our application this morning. But Jacob soon learned that Laban's sons were grumbling about him. Jacob has robbed our father of everything, they said, and he has gained all his wealth at our father's expense. Yeah. And Jacob began to notice the change in Laban's attitude toward him. And then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your father and grandfather and to your relatives there, and I will be with you. So Jacob called Rachel and Leah out to the field where he was watching his flock. He said to them, I've noticed that your father's attitude toward me has changed, but the God of my father has been with me. You know how hard I have worked for your father, but he has cheated me, changing my wages ten times. But God has not allowed him to to do me any harm for He said, the speckled animals will be your wages. The whole flock began to produce speckled young. And when he changed his mind, saying the striped animals will be wages, then the whole flock produced striped young. In this way, God has taken your father's animals and given them to me. 
One time during the mating season, I had a dream and saw that the male goats mating with the female goats were streaked and speckled and spotted. And then in my dream, the angel of God said, told me, Jacob, I, I, and I replied, yes, here I am, which is a very significant reply, by the way. It's, it shows he's very open and listening to the Lord. Okay, we see that other, other places in the Bible quite often. The, uh, spe- specifically with uh, the prophet uh, Samuel. Um, the angel said, look up and you'll see that only the streak and spotted animal or males are mating with the females of your flock. For I have seen how Laban has treated you and I am the, I am the God who appeared to you at Bethel, the place where you anointed the pillar of stone and made my vow, your vow to me. And Ebenezer, uh-huh, that's why we sing that. Now we, uh, that's only one of them today. We'll get into another one. Now get ready and leave this country and return to the land of your birth. Rachel and Leah responded, that is fine with us. We won't inherit any of our father's wealth anyway. He has reduced our rights to those of foreign women. That's pretty rough, by the way. That's a, a pretty big slap in the face. And after, and after he sold us, he wasted the money you paid him for us. All the wealth of God has given to you from our father legally belongs to us and our children. So go ahead and do what God has told you. So Jacob put his wives and children on camels and he drove his livestock in front of him and he packed all the belongings he had acquired in Padan Aram and sent out for the land of Canaan where his father Isaac lived at the time they left, Laban was some distance away, shearing his sheep. Rachel stole her father's household idols and took them with her. Jacob outwitted Laban the Aramean, for they set out secretly and never told Laban they were leaving. So Jacob told all his, took all his possessions with him and crossed the Euphrates River, heading to the country of Gilead. All right. So it says when he is driving those animals out in front of him, he is running away from Laban. He is doing it in a way that um, has got some haste to it, okay? Uh, that is not a word that is like, oh, and then he led his flock this way. No, he is driving them. He's pushing them to their limit to get away. Once he's crossed the Euphrates River, I think he's kind of felt like he is... Um, all good to go. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about returning to the Lord. And when we return to the Lord, we have a few things that we can do. So let's... Come on. Ha-ha. Apparently, my internet is a little glitchy this morning, so you can do it, though. Come on. You got this. You know you can. Let's try. Try one more time. If it doesn't pull up on that, then I'll just pull it up on my phone. So anyway, he is returning to the Lord. He's doing it in haste. He is doing it um, with what the Lord 
has for him and um, with the blessing of his wives uh, because they say this is our inheritance, this is what we have. And Jacob asks to go back then and the Lord says, yes, return to the homelands. So notice how the surrounding circumstances, the people in Jacob's life and in the they point to the same direction that God wants him to go. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, look at Laban. Laban and his sons, their attitude toward Jacob is souring. So it's getting to be time for them to leave. Laban's sons, they don't want him around anymore. His wives, they didn't have an inheritance there where they were at. And God shows up in a dream and directs him to return to his homeland. That's the big kicker. When God shows up in your dream... Um, you definitely should probably, you should listen to that, right? Now, are there times in the Bible or are there instances where people say, well, I had this dream about you? Those you might want to be a little bit more cautious about, okay? Um, And you might want to talk to somebody that you respect, maybe the elders of the church, possibly myself as the pastor, and say, I had this, what do you think about that? And this is, well, does it line up with God's word? Does it line up with where he may point you to go? Yes, but I'm a little scared. Well, that's probably him prodding you in the right direction. Um, Is it lining up with where God wants you to go? Well, no, I'm not really sure. My family just kind of don't think that's where I should be doing. Well, that's probably not from the Lord then. Let's examine some of your spiritual life and see how we came to this conclusion. Okay? Uh, God's words first when we are working through discernment. So I will submit to you that Jacob and his household, they're moving closer to God. God's showing up in his dreams. God's directing his path as it has been to return to his homeland, which we already knew he was promised. And so it's directing back to that promise And so we know this is of the Lord. Laban's household is moving farther and farther away from the Lord. And we can see this in the next section we're going to read. So therefore, I believe this is an indication that Rachel is doing, is stealing the idols to protect her father. Okay? Opposed to wanting to worship these for herself. I'm not 100% sure of that, um, but that's where... That's what it appears to be doing, this, and I will, ha- I will give you proof on the next section we study. Um, it's for her father's own good. She did not want him to worship these. She could see how they were dragging him farther and farther away from the Lord. Okay, So we always need to be aware of drift when it comes to our faith. When we're walking with the Lord, it is easy to drift away from him. It is very easy. Pay attention to the truth that we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. Is Hebrews 12. Yeah, that one. We're going to get Hebrews 12 too later. Hebrews 2.1. Yes, thank you, Craig. Yes. So here are some steps that we can take that will allow us to draw near to the Lord. Okay, here's some questions that we can ask, some actions that we can do. First, confession of sin. If you ever feel like you, is there tension between you and God, always go to confession first. We always confess our, our sins first. Um, I look at 1 John 1, 
uh, 9, and that is a great verse for confession of sins. So ask the Lord to forgive our sins and repent and turn away from that evil. So not only are we asking for forgiveness, but we're repenting and we're turning away, uh, turning 180 degrees from that evil and walking away. If it is hard to walk away from that sin, if it's hard to walk away from that habit or the thing that we've built up, another thing that you want to do is confess that to somebody that you can trust. I'm struggling with alcohol. I'm struggling with drugs. I'm struggling with pornography. I'm struggling with pride. All those things are very destructive. I see what my neighbor has and I want it. I can't get rid of it. I, I have a desire for a new car, and I can't shake it. I don't need a new car. I just want it. I have a desire for a new whatever. What's your desire? The desires of your heart, Lord. The Lord says he, he will give us the desires of our hearts, but I think that is in context, right? Um, and I think we need to wait on his timing definitely for that. Otherwise, you wouldn't believe how many Gibson guitars and I would have of all shapes and forms in my office because that's the desire of my heart sometimes, right? But I think what the Lord really provides us that we really underestimate is contentment. And God allows us to be content with what we have. And so we have this nice little peevee um, that we play every, every week, you know, and, and, and we're content with that. Is that hard to do sometimes? Absolutely. Um, but when I discover that most of the guitar playing and the sound of the guitar comes from here rather than there, um, then I just practice more. <laughs> and I'm content with what I have, right? But the same thing, it could be uh, having the Maco snap-on tools or it could be having the, the nice titanium hammer opposed to the, the steel one that we have. All those things apply, right? We ha- there's always the, the next thing. But if we're content with what we have, God uses that, that uh, for his glory. All that comes into that confession things. So then we give praise to God. When we give praise to God for what we have, that is an amazing thing. One of the best places to praise God is Psalm 150. You're like, well, how am I going to remember Psalm 150? You didn't write it down. You're not reading it to us. Guess what? It's the last psalm in the Bible. So just turn to the last psalm, right? And you'll learn how to praise God very well. It's a great place to do that. Has he ever rescued you out of a sinful lifestyle? Then give God the praise that he has done this and let others know about it. Has he ever rescued you from a certain sin? I was an adulterer and God rescued me from that. Wow. That puts me in my place and it puts him in his place, right? I'm a prideful, sinful man that thinks I should be in control of everything. But God's delivered me out of that and allowed me to let him lead as I follow him. Therefore, I lead this congregation. Whew. Wow. Didn't, didn't know the confession booth was right up here, here did you? That's right. But if, if I don't lead by example... It's easy to just sit in your sins, isn't it? Right? If I can do it, then you can do it too. That's, that's the point. Sounds pretty prideful, Shane. Yes, it probably kind of does. <laughs> I don't know. Right? Has the Lord provided you in good times and in bad? 
Yeah, he has. Is that your testimony? That he's done that for you? Or are you taking the glory for that? Look what I've done for this. You know what God does to people that say, look at the kingdom that I built. That's right. Turns him into a bird man. Nebuchadnezzar, right? You ever read, read that story? Turns him into a bird man. That's just craziness. I don't want to be a bird man. I want to give my praise to the Lord as he deserves, right? Number three, Thanksgiving. Psalms 136 is a good one. You'll have to just remember that one or write it down in your hand. Don't sweat like I am right now because uh, it'll disappear. That attitude of gratitude goes a long, long way, doesn't it? Man, Lord, I got an old junky car. I can't believe I had that old stinking junky car. Pose. Exactly. CJ's got it right down, right? It gets you place to place. Lord, thank you that I have transportation and that it started this morning. Those are talking about the same object, different blessing, right? One of them's loathing the blessing that we have, and one of them is appreciative of the blessing that we have. So praise God for that. Attitude of gratitude goes a long way. When we thank God for what we have and what he has done, it allows us to be content with what we have and where we are in life. Right? We might be at the bottom of the barrel right now, but God can lift us up. He can set us on a firm foundation so that we've been refined. So when we get back to that level again, we can go much further this time than we were last time. Huh. It's a refining, refining process, folks. And we can experience, oh, I probably should do point number four, then ask the Lord to show up like he has in the past, right? Daniel chapter 9, verses 4 through 19 is a great example of this. It is a great example of how we can, God will show up. God, we pray God's word back to him. Some of the best prayers are just reciting God's word. Remember this prayer that you did for the people of Israel. Don't you do that for your people today. Rescue us. Transform this community like you have. Forgive us of our sins, Lord, just like you have in the past. Ask God to remember his people. Ask God to renew our hearts. These are things that we can do. So notice how I went through this. I went through confession, adoration, thanksgiving, and supplication. It's the same way that I teach you how to pray all the time. Okay, I just gave it to you one more way. I just did it a different, looked at it just a little bit different. So we can experience the joy and the power of the Lord when we turn to him, we clean our hearts, and we testify to his glory. Let's look at the example that Jacob gives us in Genesis chapter 31, verse 22 to 35. It says, three days later, Laban was told that Jacob had fled, and so he gathered a troop of his relatives and set out in hot pursuit. Sounds like Roscoe Pico train. Yeah, that's right. So he caught up to Jacob or the Duke boys seven days later, just right on the county line probably. And later in the hill country of Gilead, you can't make this stuff up, man. It's, it's, it's right there. It's, it's the Duke's a hazard. It's straight up what it is, right? But the previous night, God had appeared to Laban and the Aramean in a dream and told him, I'm warning you, leave Jacob alone. That's such a strict warning that he shouldn't even talk to him. That's how strict he is. 
on this warning. But Laban's starting to drift away from the Lord. So let's see how he reacts. Laban caught up to Jacob as he had camped into the hill country of Gilead, and he set up camp not far from Jacob. What do you mean by deceiving me like this? Laban demanded. How dare you drag my daughters away like prisoners of war? Why did you slip away secretly? Why did you deceive me? And why didn't you say you wanted to leave? I would have given you a farewell feast with singing and music accompanied by tambourines and hearts. Why didn't you let me kiss my daughters and my grandchildren and tell them goodbye? You have acted very foolishly. I could destroy you, but the God of your father appeared to me last night and warned me, leave Jacob alone. I can understand you feeling that you must go and your intense longing for your father's home, but why have you stolen my gods? I rushed away because I was afraid, Jacob answered. I thought that you would take your daughters from me by force. As for your gods, see if you can find them. Let the person who has taken them die. And if you find anything else that belongs to you, identify it before all these relatives of ours, and I will give it back. But Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen the household idols. Laban was first in Jacob's tent, went first to Jacob's tent to search there, then into Leah's, and then into the tents of the two servant wives, but he found nothing. Finally, he went to Rachel's tent, but Rachel had taken the household aisles and hidden them in her camel sack, or her camel saddle, and then, and now she was sitting on them. When Laban had thoroughly searched her tent without finding them, she said to her father, please, sir, forgive me that I do not get up, but I am my, I am having my monthly period. So Laban continued to search but he did not find the household idols. Okay, when it says he, he searched, it means he searched thoroughly. And when it says he searched, it means he was sticking his hands down looking for those idols and things right underneath Rachel when she probably was on her monthly period. So, this is, once again, when especially in Genesis, when you see uh, a gal in the story, it is talking about redemption, okay? And we see Rachel making a plea, a call of redemption to her father to cast out your idols. So notice how God answered Jacob's prayer before he even confessed his fear to Laban. It's like, I was scared of you. Before he even, answered, even said anything, God said that I'm going to protect you. He shows up to Laban. Leave him alone. So God shows up in his dream, Laban's dream, and he warns him not even to talk to Jacob. However, Laban, I feel, is walking away from the Lord, and he has a hard time listening. He is hardening his heart. It is not all the way hard, but he's walking down the wrong path. And as he walks down that path, he sees that he needs to um, shape up a little bit because his story changes. Notice how he's like, oh, I could have done this. I could have done this. And he gets all grandiose. He had no plan to do any of those things on giving those, his daughters away and sending them off. He, was look, buying for, he would have been buying for time so he could trap Jacob once again. 
So if Laban was concerned about his family, he would have spent the last few hours celebrating his grandkids. He would have been celebrating his daughters and things. However, he spent his last few hours looking for his household idols. And that's where his heart was. And I decided, like I said, after some study, Rachel took those to prevent her father from falling away from the Lord. As we see time and time again that um, women, especially in Genesis, talk about redemption. So how can we cast off our, our idols then? Well, it comes down to prayer first and asking God to reveal what has, got, has captivated our heart. Is it a person? Is it a place or a thing? Now, is it an object? Is it a person? Or, is it, or maybe it's a location that we want to be about? We can ask God to reveal that to us. And once he has revealed, it, revealed that to us, um, then we can start working that out or putting it in its proper place and asking the Lord to be able to surrender that to the Lord. Um, one place that I really learned this well was when I was playing softball, I, the Lord said, give this to me. And I was like, how do I give softball to you? I don't, I don't understand. And when you go 0 for 4 and make three errors at night, then you can see this is what you, how you play softball when I'm not in it. Um, all right, all right, I'll, I'll give it to you. That was a clear indication that I needed to give it up to the Lord. And so when I gave up and I started playing softball as an act of worship to God and giving it up to him, that was good, right? And so as we come then... When the Lord asked me to give up my family to him, then it was much easier. It was much easier to give up my family to him and say, these are yours. I could quickly make them an idol in my life, and yet I am not. All right, what are we staring at out there? I see the bird on the window. Okay, good. There's more than one person out there looking at Don't. Trust me, I'm getting close to done. So, so we, we talk about, talk with a close friend. If you can't see the idol that you've placed in your life, talk to a close friend. Allow them to be honest with you. Do you have acquaintances that they, they, want, they ask you what the problem is, but they really don't want to know? I have one of those people in my life right now. Um, they said, I just really don't understand the problem. I really don't understand. And I'm like, oh, I understand. But I also understand that you're not ready to hear what the problem is. Because a lot of it deals with you. And we need to be honest with ourselves. Okay, I'm ready to hear this. I'm ready to hear the hard truth. Please let me know. So ask them what they see in you and what you need to give back to the Lord. Confess that to the Lord. Third one, pay attention to your reaction. Do you overreact in situations? Do you overreact? Why do you overreact? Are you trusting the Lord with this? Pastor Dave used to say, are you reacting a level nine to a level three problem? 
Are you exploding about something that seems is usually simple? Why are you reacting that way? Okay? I can't figure it out. I don't know. Okay, so I'm going to go to my spiritual advisor. I'm going to go to my close friend. I just, this situation just happened. I just blew up at my wife. I just blew up at my husband. I don't understand why it happened. Can you help walk me through this? Sometimes it's just a listening ear, and you can figure it out by yourself like that, right? But those friends help. So let's take that application and make it practical. I want you to think of the three top things in your life right now that are most important to you other than God, okay? Other than God, what are the three most important things in your life? Is it your family? Is it, maybe it's a vehicle, maybe it's a job, maybe it's the potential job, maybe it's whatever it may be. So I listed off right now in my life, um, my family, my job, and volleyball, Right? That's, that's the three things that I've, I'm giving priority to right now in my life. So I started off with volleyball, and I look at it as community outreach. Right? And I look at my family, I want to give time with and directing them closer to God. And my job is preaching and teaching God's word. Right? So people love God, love others, and make disciples. So if I were to make these an idol or when I do make these in idols, because they all do at some point in time in my life, and I usually have to give them back to the Lord uh, several times throughout the year, especially throughout the volleyball season. Um, that is something that I really, I really enjoy sports. I don't know if you guys knew this about me, but I enjoy sports, and I'm enjoying um, coaching. I like to coach. I like to inspire other people to reach their full potential. That's my job, I feel, as a coach, to get people to reach their full, full potential. And as your pastor... That's also my job. It, it, it bothers me when people sit around and come to church and just come to church and that's it. If they don't expand on their faith outside of church, I feel like I have not done my job. Okay, Because I want to inspire you to have a closer relationship with the Lord. So in volleyball, so likewise, when I put this in idol, I get the attitude I must become the leader and they need to win. And if I don't, lead who will right um what would this community be without me where would these girls go without a, a good coach and all this is to justify me keeping that idol instead of giving it to the lord right instead i need to ask lord where do you want this to go how do you want these young ladies to develop develop their character first so we have good attitudes on the team. We're still developing, by the way. Uh, but that's all right. And that's always a, a constant push throughout. That's also helped me as a pastor become a better pastor to seeing how when pressure situation, how people react. And so that's helped me a, a ton. How do I react is my attitude one that reflects Christ Jesus when pressure comes on? Am I disappointed? How do I share that disappointment? Am I an encourager, just like Christ has encouraged me? So how can I serve Christ better in this position which he has given to me? My family. I put my family first. When 
We get closer to, as a family, we get closer to God. And I will do whatever it takes to protect my family. It will sure, I'll make sure my family has an unfair advantage to make sure they excel. Of course, I don't say it that way, but that's exactly what I'll do in my actions. It's like, right, well, you know, this is, this is, William needs a little extra help, or maybe he just needs to go first so he gets the biggest piece, or, you know, all those things. And so, it may be something like that. Instead, when I put the Lord first, Lord, I give you my family to direct as you see fit. Allow me to be a steward of my family. Have you ever allowed, have you ever said that to the Lord? That you are a steward. You are no longer their father. You are the steward of the household. God is the father of the household. Wow. That's what the Lord challenged me when he said, give up your kids. You are now a steward of the, of the things that I've given you. Honor me with what you've been given. That was, how does that look? He shows you. You just ask him. So give me your wisdom and insight to see where they fit into your plan. Allow me to be patient and disciplined in my own life so I can direct theirs closer to Jesus. If I'm honest, when I look at my kids, they are my sins amplified, right? I see a lot of other good things in, in them that are great. They must get from their mother. And, but what I see in my kids, I see my sins amplified, right? And so I need to work here and explain that this is not right. I need to have the humility to say, I just sinned in front of you. And I need to show you that that is not correct. Man, that's hard to do sometimes. Right? Then my, my job goes along the same path. Um, when it results is, and I'm going to just skip in for time, I am, I'm a broken man leading broken people. Allow me to walk in your ways and to seek your wisdom. Lord, ask that you walk alongside me and do life with me for your glory and not mine and not ours, right? We need to be able to point to the Lord and what he has done and give him the glory. Let's finish up the Genesis story. Verse 36 through 42, chapter 31 says, Then Jacob became very angry and he challenged Laban. What is my crime? He demanded. What have I done wrong? To make you chase after me as though I were a criminal. You have rummaged through everything I own. Now show me what you have found that belongs to you. Set it out here in front of us, before our relatives, for all to see. Let them judge between us. For 20 years I have been with you, caring for your flocks. And all that time your sheep and goats never miscarried. And all those years I have never used a single ram of yours for food. And if any were attacked and killed by wild animals. I never showed you the carcass or, and asked you to reduce the count of your flock. No, I took the loss myself. I made my, you made me pay for every stolen animal when it was taken in broad daylight or in the dark of night. I worked for you through the scorching heat of the day and through the cold and sleepless nights. Yes, for 20 years I slaved in your house. I worked for 14 years earning your two daughters and then six more years for your flock. 
and you changed my wages ten times. In fact, if God, if the God of my father had not been on my side, the God of Abraham, the fearsome God of Isaac, you would have set me away, sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen your abuse and my hard work, and that is why he appeared to you last night and rebuked you. Also, it goes his way because God told him he was going to protect him and watch over him, and Jacob was faithful in that. Don't just go out willy-nilly and go say, well, God's going to watch over me and then blame God when he doesn't. Well, he went with his promise, and he walked in that promise, okay? And in that, we have a 20-year testimony, a 20-year testimony Jacob's lifestyle spoke for itself. He remained honest and upright in, at his own expense. He was a hard worker, taking the debt out of his own flock, and Laban knew God's hand of protection is on Jacob because God spoke to Laban, right? And he also saw that the blessing was on him because every time Jacob took care of the flocks, everything went much better. So how does God refine our faith like that of Jacob's. How does he refine it? First, we go through the refining process in our faith. Um, example of that is James chapter 1, verses one th- or 3 through 8. We go through pain and suffering, and the changes of life allows us to build character, right? Pain and suffering, the trials of this life, the challenges that we go through allow us to build character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us. That's Romans chapter 5. Correcting mistakes that we have had along the way. In our man-to-man relationships, so our horizontal relationships, we can ask for forgiveness and pay restitution. What can I do to make it right? Jacob paid restitution even when he wasn't in the wrong. He still paid restitution, right? It wouldn't surprise me if Laban and his son stole the flocks from Laban's and said, oh, that was stolen. And they were over there eating it right in front of Jacob. It wouldn't surprise me one bit if that happened, right? In our man-to-God relationships, we can ask for forgiveness, and Christ pays the restitution, That's why we are saved by his grace. We cannot pay the payment to get back to heaven. It is impossible for us to do that, right? Only Jesus Christ was able to pay for that, and that's why we take communion today. And then finally, as we wrap up, correcting our mistakes we make along the way. If we learn from our mistakes, they are little testimonies that we can use along the way to, sh- to show our Savior to other people. It says in Psalm 139, verse 23, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Put yourself to the test. Whereas God has used you, where God has used you, he, God leaves his mark. Obstacles 
overcome trials and tribulations. These are all opportunity to give God the glory through the pain and the suffering. Never give up. Keep moving forward. Remember, the most important part of our life is who is the king of our heart? Who is shaping our character? Who is molding and shaping our clay as the potter? Not, it is not only important that we know it, but we give thanks for it, but we also let others know and we give thanks in front of others for what God has done. It says in Hebrews 12, 2, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross and disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. God wants to place us in a place of honor in heaven. But we have to submit to him here on this earth. And we do that by allowing him to be the king of our heart and not us. We can experience that joy and that power of the Lord when we turn to the Lord and clean our hearts and testify to him to his glory. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for our time together. We thank you that you died on the cross and that you rescued us from this present evil age. Lord, I pray as we examine our hearts this morning before we take communion, Lord, I ask that you would forgive us, that you would cleanse us of this sin. Lord, I pray that you would open up our eyes to where we need to continue to refine and break down our pride, break down this um, idolatry that we hold in our hearts, break down this attitude of hate and bitterness. Lord, we pray that you would forgive us of these things. Lord, I pray that you would, that angst that comes up when we want to blame someone else, Lord, I pray that we would take responsibility and that we would look at our part in the conflict Lord, I pray that you would watch over the conflicts that we have in this congregation. And that you, if they are unjustified, Lord, I pray that your name would be praised when you conquer the evil that is before us. Lord, we ask that you would guide our hearts closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.